Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. The next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews. I forgot you were going to do that. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Wasn't prepared for that. It's early in the morning. All right, here we go. 12, 1 through 6. So, 12, 1 through 6. You took a look at it. I took a look at it. This is that famous passage. Yeah, I, I think I was the question that was in my mind. I was like, huh, maybe this is how we start it. It's like, man, struggling against sin kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Just just reflecting on. I mean, it's it's not a particularly deep statement, but it's a it's a true statement. But uh, the the passage talks about how like Jesus wrestled. There was an endurance that was important, but. Then there's this comparison, like you haven't really quite struggled to the point of shedding your own blood yet. Yeah, and it's kind of like a sit down, like it's okay, like I get it, but yeah. also just like it's okay. Well, when you say struggling against sin, let's pursue this. What do you mean? What do I mean? Because uh, you say struggling against sin sucks. Like in what way? Struggling in your own flesh? Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's I mean that's what. Oh I mean. uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, is... I'm just thinking back to. When I didn't understand the good news of what he has done, that he is both the founder and the perfecter yeah. of my faith, when yeah. I thought that that was my job, yeah. I thought like, oh yeah, he, he's like, all right, here, stand up, set me on, on my path. And he's like, now you run the race. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You yourself got to go run well. Yeah. And then sucks. You, you don't run well. Yeah. That's what I mean. It oh, sucks. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So struggling against sin rooted in deception sucks. <laughs> Sure. Uh, so is this a point that you're attempting to make that struggling against sin, not in deception, doesn't suck? Well, the thing is that, so this idea of struggling against sin, particularly like we can go back to Romans 7. People illuminate Romans sure. 7 as a man who's struggling against sin. Romans 7 is not a man who's struggling against sin. He's struggling against flesh. Romans man is a, is a person who's absolutely defeated 
defeated by Sid. <laughs> Struggling is so there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. Like, I get, I get, no. Roman Seven Man. You got no at, chance, you buddy. Know, you got no it's, chance. It's a done deal. It's absolutely defeated, overcome, overwhelmed, completely obliterated, totalized by sin. Here's, Who here, will liberate me from this body of flesh? This here, body of sin. Here's the good good news about sin. You got no chance. One hundred percent. Like this is the idea. I'm like, oh well, we gotta struggle with sin, bro. No, you if, don't. If you think you're struggling with sin, you are like this, oh, this idea of struggling with sin. Funny. You have been defeated. Okay. You're, you're absolutely enslaved, totalized, and defeated by sin. I'm having flashbacks to a sermon that meant a lot to me at the time, and some of the listeners might know which sermon I'm referring to. I won't I won't say the brother by name because I still appreciate this brother. But the sermon was something to the lines of like, what does a lifeguard look for? Signs of struggle, because signs of struggle is a sign of life. The idea of like you struggling against sin is a good thing because it means you're still alive. You're still in the fight. You're still hanging in there. Yeah, Jesus did not come to save those who were struggling against sin. Yeah, Jesus came to save those who were dead in their trespass. Mm -hmm. And the way out actually is death. (laughs) You're dead in your trespass. You're dead in your trespasses. And then the answer is actually, so then fully die. Yes. So that you can be resurrected. Yes, and this is, all right, so here's, here, think about the gospel in a continuum. This is something I do often. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Just just try this. Try try thinking about the gospel. So, all right, if you could think about it in a continuum. Okay. We say too often in religious circles, we're not really, like, so at this end you have death, Mm -hmm. this end you have life. Sure. Death, life. We say we're not really dead, we're struggling against sin, and... It's not really freedom from sin. It's strategies to be better sure. tomorrow than we were yesterday. Yep, but I presented we'll get the spectrum on that day. The language that I've used before is that it's like one of those walking sidewalks at the airport that's going this way, but mm-hmm. you're walking this way, uh-huh. and like you're just perpetually in the middle, yeah, trying to get to the end yeah. goal, but you can't. And so what we do is there's a presentation of the extremity of death and the extremity of glory, right? And then we say we're somewhere in between because well we're not yet really dead, and then. If we actually believe in Jesus, it's the already and not yet, which too often just means already, but not really. Mm -hmm. And so we're not really walking in it. We will on that day. So we shortchange it on both ends. And Mm -hmm. then an objection that's often heard, like, oh, well, brother, when you just say you're free, 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 you're not taking sin seriously. And I'm like, you're not taking sin seriously because you think you can still struggle with it. You don't understand. You're completely dead and overwhelmed and overcome by it. You're not here, my friend. You're here. Yeah, you're, right? you're all the way. In and the... Jesus did not come to bring you better strategies for today. He came to move you from here all the way to here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's not as much a spectrum, and it's maybe more a binary. It's death or light. Thank it's you. light or darkness. It's wickedness or righteousness. It is, it's man. Adam 1 or Adam 2. It's pick one. That's it. I present to you life. Or death. Yeah, pick one. Choose ye, choose ye this day. As yeah. for me and my house, yeah, 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 we yeah. will Jesus. serve the Lord. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And so, therefore, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Okay. Right? Let us lay aside every single weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, what are these sins that cling so closely? They're the ones that patterns, traumas, behaviors, triggers, sensuality, uh, 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 the the nerves, the pressing on the organs, the passions, everything that we have been habituated in the former way of being. So in all the times that we've talked about sin in the past, you're very careful to ask me what definition of sin that we're using. And it's always coming back to lawlessness. Doesn't sound like you're using lawlessness right now. 
Oh, well, I'm using the idea of the body of flesh and this body of sin that is pressed upon by senses, what we feel, what we see, what we taste, think, you know, our senses, our nerves, when we get pressed in our organs, when we get pressed in our passions, our former patterns, our traumas, our triggers, Mm -hmm. like this is the way that the power of the flesh that the enslavement of sin actually works. It presses up against our senses, our nerves, our organs, our passions, our patterns, our traumas, our triggers, mm-hmm. right? And those things have clung so closely because they've existed in relation to this body of flesh, right? My stomach does not make a distinction between food that is stolen and food that I made. It right. only knows that it's satisfied, mm-hmm. right? And yet I'm told not to actually steal. Mm-hmm. But if my whole life... I've been led by hunger Mm -hmm. and I don't use wisdom to actually determine between the two. But the only reason I don't steal is because of the cost of social, um, the social price I'm going to pay, right? The loss of freedom, but I'm not really motivated by love for another because that's theirs and not mine. Then that sin has clung closely because of a lawlessness I have, but Mm -hmm. where has that sin clung? It's clung in my body and in my, mind and in the way I've stewarded myself, mm. right? Okay. So that the whole network of being is informed by the flesh and it's actually enslaved to sin under the power of flesh because my whole body has been given over to being led by something other than the spirit of God. Mm. And if I'm led by something other than the spirit of God, then I am lawless because I don't have the thing that ought to be leading me, which is fundamentally God inside mm-hmm. because I was made to bear the image of God. Mm-hmm. So whenever I don't have that rule of law actually within me, which is God Christ in me, the spirit of Christ in me, then anything other than that is lawlessness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then the sin that clings so closely is my former patterns, my traumas, my triggers, the things that press on my senses, my nerves, my organs, my passions. And what the author of Hebrews is now calling us to do is that Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, like look at all of these people who denied the sensual life. Look at Moses Mm. who denied the sensual life, right? Who thought the reproach of Christ was better than the treasures of Egypt. Yeah, uh, I like this because this is the sense in which Jesus seems to be talking about denying self. Mm -hmm. People, uh, I have, I was going to say people. Mm -hmm. We, mm-hmm. you I. and me, <laughs> and particularly me. <laughs> uh, I've done the thing where, oh, denying self means that there's some kind of metaphysical death to my spiritual nature or my fleshly nature. And every morning, for whatever reason, it's like the sun rising up. It gets resurrected every 24 hours. And so I got to kill myself all over again. It's just this repeated cycle forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. No, denial mm-hmm. of self looks like an individual choosing to identify with the suffering of God because that is esteemed higher than the riches of uh, uh, that the, the, the wealthiest nation has to offer at that time. It's not so much this metaphysical death. And we see this in the imagery here. It's like, hold on, you're on a race. You're at the, you're at the starting line, which in our case, ironically, or kind of cool, is the, the actual finish, finish line. line. Yeah, we start from where he finished. So you're, you're at the very beginning of this race. You've got a weight vest on. The whole picture is take the weight vest off off mm-hmm. then move mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not that you carry the weight you take the weight vest off your shoulders and now you hold it in your arm mm-hmm. you just carry it differently or that you have more strength to carry it mm-hmm. now differently no no no. Mm-hmm. like literally lay it aside mm-hmm. and if you're a mile into your race mm-hmm. there's no meaningful sense in which you take the weight off again because mm-hmm. no. it's 
all the way at the finish just, yeah, line. Yeah, just take it off. Just take it off. And this is and Paul's point. Yeah, take it off. Take all the things that belong to the old pattern, the old way of being. Put on Christ because you and be as you actually are. First Corinthians five seven. Hmm. You are uh, uh, unleavened, hmm. right? Be mm-hmm. this because you are this. So then run this race in the truth of who you are and the truth of what you have in Christ and the truth of his promises and lay it all aside. Right. Mm -hmm. And as you're running the race, we are certainly in a world that is still is corrupted by the power of the flesh and sin. Mm. It's in a world that is not glorified yet. We're Mm. in a world that has not been restored and renewed. But we have through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're still in these bodies of flesh. So what does that mean when you in a world that is going now this is the idea when you're in a world that's going this way and you're running this way what's going to happen you're going to have tension you're going to have conflict you're going to have competition criticism not because you're bringing it into the world but because the world is against you and why is the world against you because it was against christ mm-hmm. yeah it's the natural order of things yeah so then as you're actually running your race in the purity of what christ has brought what is naturally going to happen in light of the world hmm. It will do to you what it did to Christ. Mm -hmm. So then Mm -hmm. this is what the passage is saying. Look unto Jesus, the founder and perfecter of your faith. As you're running this thing out, look at who founded your faith and look at who perfected your faith. It's Mm. in Jesus. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Yeah. So what's the joy before you? Hopefully the joy before us is the same joy that Moses had. He did not count the reproach of Christ as less than the treasures of Egypt. No, yeah. quite the opposite. He thought that being reproached by being reproached by the Egyptians for the reproach of Christ was a greater treasure yeah. than the wealth yeah, yeah, of yeah. Egypt. So as he ran counter the narrative of Egypt, he thought running counter was better. Yeah. What what I find very interesting about this comparison here is that specifically with with this story of Moses is like on one in one telling of the story, Moses is now bankrupt when he identifies with the suffering of God's people as opposed to their treasures of Egypt yeah. itself. In, in one telling of the story, oh, you're bankrupt. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You got nothing. But in his mind, he's like, actually, like it, I'm more wealthy than I ever have been before. He would 100%. never make the exchange. And I just think it's so interesting because so many times in my experience, I've looked at the Christian lifestyle mm-hmm. or what it, the, the, the cost of discipleship mm-hmm. and even just this language, the cost mm-hmm. of discipleship positions it in such a way is that that life is here that life in jesus is somehow in some meaningful mm-hmm. sense less than mm-hmm. and yet what there's a very real sense that, hey there's shame mm-hmm. there's an endurance sure mm-hmm. there's a weariness there's hostility there's all the things all the adjectives and all the verbs that are here in this mm-hmm. passage that we're looking at today and yet from the eye of jesus it's joy yeah it's a lot better and and, and i just think it's so interesting because one of the most common like responses that i get to the, some of my instagram st- uh, uh, videos where it's like Hey, your feelings, you know, we're, we're just highlighting the fact like, hey, feelings aren't Lord. There's a different way to do this life thing. That mm-hmm. There's a way to have peace that passes mm-hmm. understanding. Mm-hmm. People will often cite Jesus on the cross. But my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Doesn't Jesus have these moments where he's all up in his fields on all these things? It's like, mm-hmm. have you read Psalms mm-hmm. 22? This is not a declaration of sorrow and sadness mm-hmm. and defeat and alienation mm-hmm. between him and his father. Mm-hmm. What he's actually calling out is that he's making an allusion to this psalm, which is actually a psalm of victory, Mm -hmm. that yes, there's a moment where things are Mm -hmm. dreary, but he's quoting the psalm for the sake that he's saying, hey, that's me. I am the one who's come to fulfill this thing. Jesus at the cross isn't like all up in his fields. He's all like defeated inwardly in his emotions. He's actually declaring victory. victory. Mm -hmm. It's a very different experience. So, And here's here's a nuance. Be all up in your fields. Sure. Go ahead. Don't ever move. Hmm. 
from being all up in your feels. That's the distinction. Jesus never moved according to how he felt. He didn't move according to the feelings that he felt that were contrary to the word of God. 100%. Because there are feelings that he experienced. He sees the crowds and he's moved with compassion, right? But that's, that's a reflection of the father. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the feelings that happen to be almost coincidentally aligned with truth, great. Move by those feelings in the sense that like I'm moved when I see my wife and I love her. That's a good feeling to have. Uh-huh. But the moves towards, sorry, the moves that are rooted in feelings contrary to scripture, never move by those. So um, <clears throat> see if I could offer some clarity here. Okay. Feelings are... Uh, almost neutral in the sense of their morality. Correct. Right? It has a lot to do with the thoughts that come from the feelings. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And feelings aren't even the bottom of it. Right? This is a great uh, TED Talk and lecture series by Dr. Alan Watkins that demonstrates that it's actually physiology. Hmm. It has to do with how we actually interact with the world via our physiology. And he demonstrates this by breathing and whole number of things so you can youtube dr island Watkins ted talk it's a really good introductory into this idea but that feelings are and emotions right energy that's in motion emotions energy that's in motions and feelings is the name that we put to the energy in motion right but to never move to satisfy those feelings via a pattern of deceit Here's what I mean. I can be experiencing betrayal. Mm -hmm. Jesus experienced betrayal on the night that he was betrayed. The physiology of his body and this body of sin, this body of flesh can actually be recoiling. And there is chemicals running through a body that is feeling betrayal. Mm. Right. That feeling of betrayal can now give way to bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness that then you start moving from, right? And it's here that Jesus breaks that chain, that simply because he has been betrayed and maybe his body feels the effects of being betrayed, he does not move from the betrayal. He moves from the loyalty of covenant faithfulness even in the face of being betrayed Mm -hmm. so that the feelings of being betrayed are seemingly very proper and appropriate to the fallen human condition. But what is inappropriate is to ever move from them and position somebody else as, uh, as the recipient of retribution as though I am going to retribute back to you what you gave to me. Mm. So if you committed actions that then brought up within me feelings of betrayal that Adam one has taught us are now connected to ways of disciplining, correcting, and that we usually mean punishing you for the way you betrayed me. That's what Jesus does not do when you betray him. He does not redistribute or retribute back to you that which you gave to him. What he always distributes is his very heart and character. So he absorbs the betrayal 
And what comes out is the fullness of his life because your betrayal cannot overcome his life. Does the betrayal hurt? Yes. Does the betrayal wound? Yes. Does the betrayal cause him to be sad? Yes. But the life within him is greater than that. And he finds comfort in the love of his father and he finds comfort in the love of those he's in agreement with, which is Trinity, Hmm. right? And so the Trinity itself soothes him Right hmm. in that intimate, in that intimate relationship. Why? Because they then speak truth. Like this is the way the betrayal you're receiving is a consequence of the lie and of the corruption. So we are not going to, in turn, give that space as though it's actually founded in some sort of truth. Like mm-hmm. so, it's founded in like the bedrock of love. And because who we are, because we are love, because we are the fundamental truth of reality, we will actually give the truth of our hearts even in the midst of this betrayal. And so then what's given? It's given love, 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 love. And then the question is, oh, well, what about the wound? How do we reconcile it? That's what love does. Love actually covers that multitude of sins Mm. and heals it and binds it up so it obliterates it through the expiation of jesus so that it actually has no place what we want to do is constantly deal with the betrayal no exalt love Mm. and in exalting love and in orienting ourselves around love in, in in receiving love like the truth of god's love all of this falls by the wayside, right? Turn yeah. your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and the things of earth will go strangely mm. dim mm-hmm. in the light of his glory and grace, right? Yeah. So this is what I mean along those lines. And I think this is how, as I understand it, the anthropology of the of the Bible talks about how to deal with these things mm. and how Jesus dealt with these things. So that at the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes, it's a cry of dereliction, But like you said, if you read Psalms 22, it's a cry of dereliction unto the victory because in the dereliction is the opportunity for the love of God to manifest in the condemnation of sin and in the redemption of sinners. Hmm. All right. The last little theme here. Thank you for that. The last little uh, theme here before we close out is uh, verses five and six, talking about the discipline of the Lord when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Yeah, so if we just back up just this monologue I just went on. <laughs> that, that's Hebrews 12, 3 through 5. That like, consider your struggle against him. Consider the way Jesus struggled against yeah. him. Consider his experience of betrayal. Yeah. You haven't been betrayed to the point of you shedding blood. Right. Jesus was. Yeah, yeah. And then how did he respond? He responded according to the teaching, mm-hmm. the instruction, the word of his God, right? The I, disciplining I, of the Lord. What I think is so wild about that is like, you know, uh, having a kid, and, and my kid is not very large, mm-hmm. not very strong, and he's as pure as a child can be, mm-hmm. right? Occasionally, he does some stupid things, like mm-hmm. I'm holding him, he has a toy in his hand, bonks you right in the face. Mm-hmm. There's just something about how the body reacts when in pain. Mm-hmm even to the object of my greatest love, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That when hit in the face, I'm like, oh, like, like my, my kind of fleshly, mm-hmm. not, uh, like my physical mm-hmm. yeah, response yeah, yeah, yeah. is one of just like immediate, like I want to like take control and mm-hmm. stop the pain. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, you know, Catholics do this a lot. They actually do focus a lot on the actual physical suffering, but it's just so wild to me that like in the moment of intense, excruciating pain, mm-hmm. Like Jesus, even in that, is able to sub, not subdue, but he's able to to move not from the wounding. And this is 
why you and I in the faith tradition we come from, mm-hmm. we make such, and, and so many people have lost this, and, and I'll, I'll say it just plainly, in Seventh-day Adventism, we've, com- we've lost. The physical suffering. No, the idea huh. of the will, ah. the power of the will. What do you mean we've lost that? I think that, 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 that we, that's something we focus on a lot. Oh, no, man. Not, not in gospel freedom. Okay. Right? Sure. Because we focus the will on overcoming sin. Yeah. We don't focus on the will as being a slave to righteousness. Okay. So your willingness is oriented towards the will of God because the will of God within you is actually the will that you exercise. Like you cooperate with the will of the Father in your will. Right, mm-hmm. so willing that the, to be made willing. The willingness to be made willing. Your will is what you own a hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. uh, in a hundred percent of places. And to actually surrender your will to the instruction and the disciplining of the Lord is the act of faith. So that when the circumstances of life press you, what comes out is the will that you have uh, 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 stewarded and disciplined mm-hmm. in light of instruction. So that. <clears throat> What comes out is a character shaped in Christ likeness, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What doesn't come out anymore is the desires and impulses of the Adam one body, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that when betrayed, your natural impulse then becomes to wash your enemy's feet. Hmm. On the night when he was betrayed, he didn't recoil. Interesting. He pressed even harder. So, so the idea of you're, you're saying that we have not really uh, done the concept of will justice. I, I responded by saying, oh, that's weird because I feel like all I was ever told was you could choose to do right, but you're choosing to do wrong. But I think maybe what you're highlighting is the fruit of an exercised will, the willingness to be made willing, is that actually what happens is transformation. In yeah, that. because the will is actually a byproduct. Like this, this, the will exists in the realm of life. It's not a will that chooses life now, mm, right? Mm-hmm. It's a will that's exercising the gift it's received. Yeah, yeah. You understand? Yeah. So the gift that it's received is righteousness. Therefore, offer yourselves up to Christ. Offer yourselves to God as those who have been, have been brought from death to life because you are slaves to righteousness. So then my will is constantly surrendering to that truth. And I make an exercise of the truth that I am. I don't make an exercise of trying to get what I don't. Right. This is where you are overcome because your will can never actually get you what you don't have. Yeah. Your will can only exercise that which is yours. Mm-hmm. So then the practice is to orient my will according to the truth of who he says I am. This is simply the act of agreeing with the truth as it is in Jesus. And that exercise is faith itself. Mm-hmm. Moses exercised his will to come into agreement the reality as it was. Moses banged his head up against the wall for 40 years. He lost his his even ability to speak. When God shows up in the burning bush, it's like, yo, I need you to do this, do this, do this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Why? Because he was, I, 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 I. He had a problem with his eyes. And I mean, like, not eyes. Yeah, an eye infection. His eye, right? And so he could not see correctly yeah. until he actually comes to this place of, oh, wait, hold on. God is actually with me and what he says he's going to do, he's going to do. So he no longer considers himself in the equation, but he exercises his will to come into agreement with what God says. Hmm. This is the denial of self. This is the denial of the old pattern. 
is that your willingness to be made willing according to the will of God who has brought you from death to life. Mm. And in being established in that, you haven't wrestled against sin to the point of dying. Mm-hmm. So you haven't had to exercise it to that point. Yeah. So relax. Yeah, God's yeah. disciplining you and treating you as a son and yeah. raising you up so you have that strength. But you're not there. Yeah. So run with perseverance. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be, you'll be, all, be right, all right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 this yeah. is where we're at.